Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. who are currently sitting in 12th place in the Premier League. Uh, they rode that seven-match unbeaten streak from November 11th to December 26th after finishing 15th place last year. Um, six wins since the start of November, which is uh, tied for the most in the Premier League. So things are going well for Bournemouth right now. And uh, yesterday, Nigel and Alexis had a chance to chat with the president and chairman of the club, Bill Foley, and it was a very colorful mm -hmm. conversation. Let's hear it. All right, welcome, Mr. Foley. Thank you so much for joining us here on Morning Footy. Good to be here, thank you. Thanks for having me. I get, we'll start with this. You're about to, uh, or you just celebrated your first one year uh, anniversary of owning a Premier League club. Uh, tell us about that. How does it feel one year in? Um, it feels like we've accomplished a lot. We had a lot of goals during the first year. The first, the, you know, the January transfer window is always difficult to uh, to bring in players, but we had a pretty successful uh, uh, last year in January. We've gotten underway in our practice facility, our training facility. Uh, we really haven't had, Warmouth had inadequate infrastructure, and so we're spending about 35 million pounds on a first team, a women's team, and academy building pitches. Um, we've completed the indoor pitch, should be open by next October. And that'll then give us time to uh, to start planning and, and get underway on a new stadium. So we, we accomplish, if we get all that done and built, uh, I'll feel really good about where we are, where we are in Bournemouth. You mentioned a new stadium. Tell us a little bit about that. I think this is uh, news for a lot of the fans. Um, yeah, so it's not going to be overwhelming. It'll be about 18,500 uh, seats. It'll have... The normal Premier League uh, percentage of hospitality, roughly 16, 17 percent of the of the of the stadium will be hospitality related. Right now, we're about six percent, so we obviously are, are don't have uh, don't have the facilities to really do what we need to do to entertain our fans. Um, but it's going to be built in such a way that we can add another deck on the south side um, and uh, add about another three thousand or four thousand seats. And so if the demand is there, we'll certainly do that and it won't be disruptive. So in the stadium, we will be built directly behind Vitality. It's where our training facility is today. So we had to move our training, have to move our training facility to make way for the new stadium. Uh, and we're excited about it. Uh, it's going to, it's going to change Bournemouth. Um, and, but we're going to respect, we'll always respect the, the fans of Bournemouth and their traditions. But we do need to move forward. We need a different. We need different facilities. Great, and I'm sure you were about to say it, but I would love to go and check out the hospitality suite uh, whenever you build it. So, <laughs> love to love to have you. And we've done a lot already with the existing stadium, but you know we're really just uh, putting, you know, doing putting putting paint on the walls and and trying to improve the food and so on. But the stadium is just old. You know, as many as many of the stadiums are in the UK. Uh, so we just we just need to have a new a new facility. 
And in fact, I wanted to ask you about that. You're buying a team here. Obviously, you're the owner of the Golden Knights. Uh, new team, right? That's something you can build from the ground up. You've purchased a team with a lot of history. Did this present challenges that are very different than what you've experienced in some of your other sports ownership? Well, I had to, uh, we had to adapt. Um, you know, what, we try and, what we've tried to do is we've tried to really maintain what Bournemouth always was. But I did bring in a few people uh, that were involved with me at the Golden Knights, particularly in the sponsorship and ticketing side, just to move this team into, into the 21st century. And we've done that. I, I believe right now our sponsorship is up about 100% versus a year ago. And, and ticketing, we've raised ticket prices for the first time in, uh, gee, I think 11 years. But they're still very inexpensive. As you know, the, the Premier League seating is is really pretty and it's is not expensive at all. It's not like not like American football or hockey or so on. Uh, it's, it's much more affordable. Let's dive deep into Bournemouth now. And obviously, I know the pressures of the Premier League and being a manager and playing in that league. What, the, what was it like, that first decision of obviously having to fire Gary O'Neill? How much of a difficult decision was that? Well, it, it wasn't that difficult for me once we found uh, Andoni Irola. Um, and he was available because he plays a different style of football. He played high energy, high on the pitch, uh, attacking football. And we were a counterattacking team. And I felt, I felt like if we were going to really have a chance to swing above our weight and to be competitive with some of the larger teams, we had to play a different style of football. Now, I didn't find Andoni. Um, Simon Francis and Richard Hughes from our technical side really knew of him and they had contacted him. And it was a difficult decision because we all like Gary O'Neill. And by the way, he's doing well with Wolves right now. They're successful. And I knew that he would be successful and keep us up. I just didn't feel like he was going to be able to play the style of football I thought we needed to play to really be entertaining and to move up, move up the table. So it's really that simple. Nothing, nothing against Gary. He's a quality guy. He's a quality coach. We just wanted a different style of football. And sticking on Ariola, the manager, obviously he had a tough start to his uh, time at Bournemouth. And give credit to yourself for sticking with him because now obviously they're on a sensational run. How difficult was it for you as an owner to stick with him with obviously pressure going and obviously the media reports feeling that he may be fired and maybe it might be a, a far too leap for him for being at Bournemouth? You know, I was never, I was never bothered. Honestly, uh, we ex we knew we had a, a tough set of fixtures early on, and uh, you're exactly right. We only had three points after about the first eight or nine games, but each game we seemed to get a little bit better. And finally, we broke through against Burnley, lost to Man City, and then we were on, then we went on a pretty good run. And uh, and the players are now the players always played for him, and they wanted to play his style of football. Um, it just took a while to, just took a while for it to take effect for his style to, to be, uh, to be incorporated by by our players. We tried to give him players that that wanted to pay, play a high energy style of football, and they are now. And uh, we we're confident. We feel like we have a really really good team. A lot of players are hurt, uh, as is normal for for uh, for football or for Premier League football. But we have a couple week break other than the FA Cup. And we start getting players back. And I'm looking forward to the second half of the season. I, I believe we're going to do very well. 
I love the ambition that you're showing with Bournemouth and the desire and wanting to obviously achieve European football within five years. It's great to see and it's great for the fans, I'm sure. Are there any lessons you can kind of maybe take from one of your coastal rivals in Brighton in what they've done and how they've transformed that club? Yeah, they really have. They're high on the technical side. They really do a great job in terms of recruiting players and finding finding under the radar players, and that's what we're trying. That's what we're trying to do. We're we're going to make an announcement here in the next few days about a really exciting South American player that's going to that's going to come over, and he may uh, he may be loaned out for the balance of this year to one of our sister clubs because we're we're really trying to create a a modest multi club model where we can start and start players in Auckland at our at Auckland FC bring them to uh, Hibs in Scotland, maybe they go to Lorient, maybe we have a, a, a Belgian team, but we progress them through that system and eventually they get the playing time and then they come to Bournemouth. And then we have an experienced 22-year-old that's ready to play Premier League football. So we're we're excited, excited about our plans. And obviously, we're not a sovereign wealth fund. We don't... Uh, we don't have that, that those sort of resources, so we've got to do it smarter. I like Brighton. Brighton is a well-run club, and they and they do it well. They 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 recruit and bring in high-quality players, and they do play above their weight. Which brings me to my next question: You guys have uh, obviously a style uh, under Iraola that's now being uh, you know sort of advanced, and the club is playing extremely well. And you've got players like Solanke who are now being looked at by some of the biggest clubs in the Premier League and around Europe. Are you feeling like this is the type of player that you want to hold on to? That as players start to become more successful at your club, you can try to hold on, or do you want to be more like the team like Brighton that sells those players and continues to develop and bring up younger players through the system? Yeah, I wouldn't want to be specific about any one individual, but we're going to, we're going to, for financial fair play. We're going to be forced to sell some players periodically, uh, and then reinvest those funds in replacement players, just as Brighton does. And we accept the fact. And I, I don't want to stand in the way of a of a particular player who's in demand by, say, Tottenham or Arsenal. Um, if they if they pay the right price. Um, then we will make players available. But for this transfer window, uh, as I've said, our door is shut and it's bolted. We don't intend to do let any players go during this transfer window that are that are starters. But next summer may be a different situation. Yeah, and obviously, look, you being an American that owns a team in the Premier League, uh, it comes to mind one of the big American players for our entire system that plays there at Bournemouth uh, in Tyler Adams. Talk a little bit about just sort of the reception that he's had in England and obviously as he starts to get more fit, what you expect from a player like Tyler Adams. Well, he's a defensive midfielder. He's going to, he's, as soon as he's fit, he's going to play that number six role. And um, he is a quality guy. Uh, he wants to win. He wants to play hard, uh, and he has got a, a winning attitude, which is the most important thing for me. It's all about character and about wanting to win. And that's how, that's how I built the Golden Knights, and we built it from the ground up. And we have one of the best locker rooms in the league. And that's what we're, that's what we're developing and we're going to have at Bournemouth is this great locker room. Where it's, not, it's not about the individual. It's about the, about the team. And uh, I like to say my mission, my men, myself. So management comes way down the way down the pecking order but the men the team they they come first and tyler fits that role and he's i'm looking forward to having him come back he's he's he is now running so he's not really he's not really uh 
I'd say exercising hard, but he's back running. And uh, we think by end of February, early March, uh, he's going to be he's going to be on the pitch. And I, I look forward to it. Ah, so, so does all of America. Um, I want to ask one more question regarding your management group. Now, I'm born and raised in a town called Newark, New Jersey. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Uh, sure. I thought I thought I would be the first person from Newark to own a Premier League uh, team. But unfortunately, Michael B. Jordan beat me to it. Uh, talk a little <laughs> bit about talk a little bit about having the star power of a Michael B. Jordan. And what's it like to work with someone from Newark? <laughs> well, uh, Mike is a great guy, as you as you know. I'm, I'm sure you know. He's, he's a very down-to-earth, common individual. He's, he hasn't got stars in his eyes. He loves football. Uh, he, uh, uh, he, he is really helping us in terms of some of our our international marketing and marketing in the U.S. He's designing a, a kit that uh, will go on sale shortly. Uh, um, so he's he's engaged, and uh, we love having him. In fact, I think he's going to, I believe he's going to be in Bournemouth um, um, today and tomorrow to watch practice. So he's he's all in, and it's good to have him, and, he, and he's a terrific guy. Now, look, I'm just letting you know this, Mr. Foley. I am not a Bournemouth fan, but I will own the first Premier League kit designed by a guy from Newark. I will 100% oh, yeah, own yeah. that kit. Make yeah. it in the double XL, please. On another note, uh, Mr. Foley, it's been absolutely fascinating listening to you and how you've really got into Bournemouth and how you're making this club be about the community, the identity of the club, how you're staying true to that. Are there any messages you'd like to have or put out there for Bournemouth fans in America and growing American fans to know more about Bournemouth, the football club? Well, they should know that we're committed to win, that we are uh, committed to bring in top flight players to the extent that, uh, that we have the resources to do that. That we're committed to the multi-club model with Bournemouth, Bournemouth being at the top of the pyramid and that we want to improve our facilities, but we'll always be respectful and be engaged in the community. Just as we've done with the Golden Knights, we, we like to say, we are embedded with the community, and the community is embedded with us, and we're proud. We're proud of that. Well, Mr. Foley, I know you're a very busy man, uh, but thank you so much for taking your time out of your day to spend it with here with us over at Morning Footy. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.